recently uh, was reading an article, and it was about uh, testing dogs for aggression. And these are dogs from the animal shelter that were getting ready for adoption by families. So they had to check if uh, they were overly aggressive. If anyone's having trouble hearing, there are devices in the back for that. I have the microphone on. Um, so one of the ways they would uh, test these dogs is they would give them a bowl of food and then they would take a plastic hand on a pole and reach down and pull the food away and check if the dog would go for the hand. But there are critics of tests like this because uh, they say that a dog that's in a shelter is under very stressful conditions and it's put into a situation where it's deliberately being provoked. And so it's not really a fair test, it's said. And if it's in a family, it might be completely different. So how can we judge these dogs based on conditions like that? So we can see the effect of conditions in our own life, too. Imagine if you are tired, hungry, in a foreign city and worried about something all at the same time, you're going to have a very different response to dropping and breaking your glasses than you would under comfortable, calm, favorable circumstances. We just know this about ourselves, right? It depends on the conditions, how the mind responds. Now saying, that's how I am, is a whole different thing, of course. There's all these conditions, right? So a lot of our practice is about setting up conditions for the mind. This is uh, a fair description of the path. We set up conditions to develop positive, wholesome, skillful mind states. Things like loving-kindness, generosity, compassion, etc. These are why. <laughs> These are helpful. They're, they make it more favorable for you in the present moment. Happier, more content. And they're good for other people because you're not going to bite their hand so easily. You won't be so easily provoked when somebody takes your coffee. So, you know, this is a good thing to train in these skillful qualities and to make them settle even more deeply into our system so that the external circumstances could be less favorable, but we still carry the generosity, the loving kindness. This is so important in this world. Look at the reactivity you see of people who can't hold unfavorable circumstances. And the circumstances are never going to be completely favorable. They can't. This is the human world. So what do we do? We train. We train the mind. We open the heart. We create conditions. But there's another very important reason to create conditions, which is to begin to see correctly to develop wisdom, we can see a lot more clearly when we're not uh, in a state of reactivity. 
we can see more clearly all what all the conditions are and how we're responding and how things are unfolding and then we can make better choices. We can spend a lot of time getting caught up in the first one about getting everything all set up and developing and creating, uh, forgetting that that's not actually quite enough for uh, complete freedom. We have to also see how suffering is created specifically and then let go of those causes and conditions. So the teachings that we learn here are concerned particularly with suffering and the end of suffering. So the conditionality that we're talking about are the conditions that bring about suffering and the conditions that lead away from suffering. There's other things you could do with conditionality, but those are pretty compelling if ending suffering is your interest. So there are a lot of teachings about, I mean, almost all the teachings are basically about what causes what and how to set things up so that you can have more wholesome mind states and see correctly. That's a lot of, that's a good description of this whole body of teachings that we study here. And they're not only Buddhist, of course, but I happen to appreciate the way the Buddha laid it out clear to me, and I like to share it. He pointed out in particular that well, a lot of what we experience uh, all day are contacts. It's a bland, analytical-sounding word, but we experience sights, sounds, smells, tastes, bodily sensations, and thoughts. That's what we experience all day. And what happens is that we tend to, if we're not paying attention and don't have enough ability to hold whatever's happening, then we get pulled into a reaction. And don't worry if that's happening now and then. That's normal. And so we grasp onto something. We want it. We want to push it away. And then pretty soon we've identified it's about us, it's about that other person, etc. And that is the conditions for suffering. It's laid out pretty clearly. And that's why I encourage watching your mind. We look at little segments of this in our practice. This is part of the investigation. How did that thought train unfold? You felt a pain in your back and then said, oh darn, well, I forgot to take Tylenol before I came to sit here. Why did I forget that? I'm so stupid. I'm always forgetting things. Or it's another senior moment. That's it. It's all this aging thing coming to get me again. Blah, blah, blah. And pretty soon, you know, something has unfolded. Or there's a sound. Or there's a thought. Thoughts happen. We don't control all of the thoughts that come into our head, for sure. They happen like other contacts on their own. And then something goes off of that. And it's just interesting to watch how this happens. This is what we're up against, <laughs> in a sense. But also, um, you know, the good conditions, you can't escape the good effects. Every moment of mindfulness counts. <laughs> Every thought of loving-kindness counts. They're not just gone <coughs> after you've had them. They're seeding more of that in your mind stream all good when those things are going on. You don't lose, you can't lose that. So this is the internal 
internal process. And then there's the external process too. There's um, a very interesting list, not often taught. It's the, it sounds similar to uh, this one I just read where you start with contact and a, and a sort of a feeling associated with that. I like it, I don't like it, and then go up. It goes externally. It says feeling and then seeking, acquisition, decision-making, lustful desire, attachment, appropriation, avarice, guarding of possessions, and unwholesome mind states. So it goes externally into how we uh, feel things and then we want to get them and then we do and then we have to guard them and protect them and then we're pretty soon we're fighting about them. There's another sutta actually that talks about how mental proliferation is the cause of war. It's pretty accurate. We start thinking about something and then we get a whole story about it and then it's about what they did and what I did and suddenly it's an impossible rift and we have to pick up a sword and go attack. Do we see these seeds in our own minds? Yes. So, for me, this brings about great compassion and also um, motivation to be more aware, to be more kind, to really watch those little ones unfolding because those I know what seeds those go toward. Um, and I know what seeds the good ones go toward. Look at the amazing things that people do. You don't read about them in the news as often. And the Dalai Lama says that the reason we don't read as much positive stuff is because it's so commonplace that it just doesn't make the news. There's so much good stuff happening all the time. Why write about it? We write about the few bad things that happen instead of those moments of caring for children, of caring for elders, of stopping at the crosswalk to let the pedestrian go first. I love that this happens in this city. People will actually stop in the middle of driving down a busy street because somebody's standing at the crosswalk. So things don't happen randomly. They're not unfolding in a chaotic way. We can't see exactly how they all unfold. Try don't, please don't get caught up in trying to figure out exactly every logical chain. The Buddha says you're going to go crazy if you do that, actually. It's one of the imponderables. But I think we were endowed with just enough intelligence and wisdom to be able to see some of the patterns and to be able to redirect a little bit. Just enough. With a little help from our friends. So I encourage continuing to pay attention and following those paths that lead away from suffering. If we did that every moment, that would be the path. Don't know where it's going, except away from suffering. That sounds pretty good.